Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 174 for the May 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James here with a pick from the DC Connect. And the comic that caught my eye was the first one when I opened the DC Connect on page one. And it's Batman number 125. The reason why this caught my eye is because we have a writer change. And I'm hoping the writer does a good thing, or does well with this title. It's Chip Zdarsky is going to be the new writer. Now, Chip did an amazing run on Daredevil, and that run is still ongoing. So he's still going to continue writing Daredevil at Marvel, which makes me happy because I've been enjoying it. And here he is. He's coming over here with Jorge Jimenez, who's going to be the artist. And we'll see where it goes from here. because. Batman has been, since I started reading with issue one of this this run, you had Tom King and then you had a James Tinian. But it, it's been good, but I, I, I'm interested to see a different direction for the title. So I think this will be a nice, nice refresh, let's hope. And it says, superstar writer Chip Zdarsky joins the legendary artist Jorge Jimenez to define a new era in Batman. Bruce Wayne is at a turning point, haunted by dreams of a dark future. While Gotham City billionaires are being gruesomely murdered with the discovery of an arch-enemy's involvement 
and a tragedy unfolding, the Dark Knight's nightmares are just beginning. Failsafe starts here. Now, the bad thing is that there is backup story, just like with most of the books at DC. I don't want to, you know, make it sound like bad. Like that's, it's just typically the backups have not been up to snuff and it's not something I enjoy. But this one says it's a backup story. There's chaos uh, in Gotham as the underworld fights over one of its crown jewels and Selina Kyle is caught in the middle. Can she stop the bloodshed and maybe even make a little money in the process? So it'll be Selina Kyle back. So we'll get to see her. It could be good. It doesn't say there's a different writer, so it tends to go a little bit better when you have the same writer writing the backup story as well as the main story. And at least it's part of the Bat family of characters versus just some random character that's tacked onto the Bat. So hopefully that's good too. There is some interior art pages on pages two and three in the DC Connect. In the interior art, if you don't know Jorge Jimenez, he is a good artist and it looks really terrific. So I'm on board for this and on to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from page four of the DC Connect special catalog. This is Detective Comics number 1062. I hadn't really been reading Detective Comics any recently, just wasn't really interested in, in some of the extended things that were going on. But this is a, uh, a, a new start, at least for a kind of a little mini run here by uh, writer Ram V and artist Raphael Albuquerque. Promises to be the first part of four, Overture. I'm sorry, Gotham Nocturne, part one of four. This one is called Overture. It's a new era for the detective of the night as we introduce award-winning new series writer Ram V, Catwoman, the mini deaths of Layla Starr, and artist extraordinaire Raphael Albuquerque, American Vampire, Superman, Batman. Together, they'll be turning Gotham into a tragic yet beautiful gothic opera for our eyes and ears to feast on. Something is terribly wrong with Batman. No matter the tests Bruce takes, nor the numbers he counts, the greatest detective in the world can't pin down the source this creeping dread of his own inner demons and a looming mortality. Meanwhile, real demons roam the shadows as an ancient melody haunts the Gotham night. Here now, the curtains rise, and as the eerie tune streams in, who is human, who is demon, who is to tell? As Batman investigates the songs and the demons of Gotham, he is forced to confront the oldest question, whether there has been a demon within him all along, and if so, what does it want? And why hasn't it taken over yet? So, I'm really thrilled by this one. Anytime you tell a good Batman story, of course, I'm always on board for this. But Ram V has kind of his own unique style. And, of course, we all love and know Raphael Albuquerque's art. But this talk about bringing in kind of some musical element to things going on has me intrigued. And honestly, I hope maybe there's like a soundtrack or something that goes along where you listen to maybe some operatic elements or something during different parts of the uh, comic book. But who knows? We'll see where it goes. This is $4.99. There is a backup that's written in here by Cy Spurrier, but they don't talk about that at all in the uh, preview text. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but I'm definitely here for the main story. Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Flashpoint Beyond number three. So one of DC's events of 2022 continues starring the Thomas Wayne iteration of Batman, who first appeared in the Flashpoint event back in 
2011, which was spearheaded by Jeff Johns. Now, Jeff Johns is one of the quote unquote architects slash writers of this Flashpoint Beyond series. He's aided by current Flash writer Jeremy Adams and writer Tim Sheridan, who worked on uh, Teen Titans Academy and has worked on a number of DC animated films. I personally see Flashpoint Beyond as a detour from Dark Crisis. Now, the rationale for that is because the Thomas Wayne Batman prior to the events of this series was in the Joshua Williamson written lead ups to Dark Crisis, i.e. the Infinite Frontier miniseries and the Justice League Incarnate miniseries. So I think at some point, again, this is just my me here theorizing that Flashpoint Beyond will dovetail back in, into Dark Crisis, or at least I hope it does. Now, if you are not familiar with the Flashpoint universe, it it was a pretty dark place. I mean, you had a Superman that was experimented, being experimented on and being housed by the government. You had the Amazons and the Atlanteans at war with Wonder Woman and Aquaman literally at each other's throats. The impending threat of some sort of nuclear Armageddon. Again, the Thomas Wayne Batman was a key character in there because instead of Thomas and Martha being killed in the alley that fateful evening, it was Bruce. And and so having a little background, I think it's really important before you tackle this series. Now, back in 2011, I kind of sort of picked and choose chose the excuse me, the books I was I was following. I, I followed the main series and I followed a few of the spinoff miniseries. Now I will point out at that point, the Thomas Wayne Batman was not one of the series I followed. I I just was not interested really interested in that character. Now what changed? What caused me to become interested in the adventures of the Thomas Wayne Batman were one uh, Tom King bring the character into his run of Batman and then the work that Joshua Williamson has been doing. So I'm, I'm, I've become invested in the Thomas Wayne Batman. So I kind of want to see where that character goes. In addition to that, during the New 52 era of the DC Universe and the Earth 2 book that was being published, James Robinson and Tom Taylor introduced their own version of the Thomas Wayne Batman, who I've also found to be an interesting character. So I'm a Batman fan. I got they, they suckered me in on this. So the artwork is being provided by Zamerico. Zamerico is, I think, one of those sort of DC artists who is rising up through the ranks, has worked on a number of series. I believe they worked on uh, Injustice. They certainly worked on the Dark Stars miniseries that Grant Morrison wrote uh, a few years ago that tied into his run on uh, Green Lantern. Zamerical was part of the art team for the Joshua Williamson written Infinite Frontier series. So I really like Zamerico's style. It really does capture the DC characters. They look like themselves. I, I think it is 
it, it's somewhat the DC house style, but I think he has this vibe and this dy dynamism that really punches and lands on each page. So again, if you are one, a fan of Flashpoint, you know, definitely pick this up. If you are a fan of the concept of the Thomas Wayne Batman, you definitely need to pick this up. And if you're if you're a fan of the ongoing narrative of the DC universe, I think this is going to be a a key series by the time it wraps up. Flashpoint Beyond number three can be found on page six of DC Connect and costs three ninety nine. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Young Justice Targets, number one. So this is kind of an interesting month in DC solicitations because we're not only getting a Young Justice miniseries that is spinning out of the Dark Crisis event series, but we're also getting Young Justice Targets, which picks up on the events of the Young Justice animated series, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. We're in actually in the fourth season of the Young Justice animated series. Season four has been subtitled Phantoms. Based on the solicitation text, Young Justice Targets will pick up after the events of season four. So I'm not really going to get into the nitty gritty of the solicitation tax or the cover, because I think they're very spoilery, particularly if you've been following the character arcs that have been happening in season four. What I will say is that if you are a fan of the Young Justice animated series, I think you need to really pick this up. Now, I slept on these previous comic book tie-in series to Young Justice the Animated Series. And that was a mistake because I think there was some key character information that was shared in those miniseries. I've gone back and read some of them, certainly not all of them. Young Justice Targets is written by Greg Weissman, who is the co-creator of the show. So obviously you're getting a unique perspective and a perspective that, that obviously makes this quote unquote matter and in continuity. The artwork is being provided by uh, Christopher Jones. So it is in that animated style. Okay. So you will obviously see that visually Young Justice targets will fit into the Young Justice animated series over the course of its four uh, seasons have built a narrative arc that not only encapsulates those Young Justice characters, it's expanded beyond that. I mean, to encompass other facets of the DC universe, it's roped in the Justice League. They've actually become, I think, key characters, certainly key side characters or uh, supporting cast members of the series. So it, again, if you are a fan of Young, Young Justice, the animated series, please pick this up. I, I think that... The series provides some of the most consistent writing with it when it comes to the DC characters and really expands and builds upon the continuity 
and it's a continuity and legacy are these things that we as DC fans really love. You're going to get a lot of that in Young Justice, the animated series, and I'm 100% guaranteed that you're going to get it in this Young Justice Targets miniseries. Young Justice Targets, number one, can be found on page 16 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. Hey, this is James back with my next pick in the DC Connect, and this time I'm over on page 18, where we have Superman, Space Age number one. Now, the reason why Space Age, another Superman spinoff, it's because of the created team. It is Mark Russell is the writer and the art by Mike Allred. Mike Allred, some people don't like it. I, I like Mike Allred's art. I think he's a fantastic artist. And Mark Russell, when he's on, is very good. Sometimes he's off with me on a few stories, but when his humor comes through, his writing wit, I really enjoy his writing. So I'm going to definitely give this one a try. It says one of three in this prestige format, which I guess is the magazine size, although it doesn't say this is like a black label. So prestige size, but not black label, that'll be cool. A, a bigger a bigger comic, because usually those are reserved for the black label titles. But it's probably because of Mike Allred doing the art on here. And it says, meet Clark Kent, a young reporter who just learned that the world will soon come to an end. Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> and there's nothing he can do to save it. Sounds like a job for his alter ego, Superman. After years of standing idle, the young man from Krypton defies the wishes of his father to come out of the world and as the first superhero of the space age. As each decade passes and each new danger emerges, he wonders if this is the one that'll kill him and everyone he loves. Superman realizes that even good intentions are not without their backlash as the world around him transforms into a place that's determined to destroy itself as he is to save it. Anyways, it sounds kind of cool. Basically, Superman's outing himself, and it's a story around that. And I can see some of the art here. It looks like I'm seeing the Anti-Monitor. So this is going back to Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is a, was a terrific event. Mark Russell's going to be, I guess, doing a different take on that. So Superman-centric. I think it could be cool. I'm going to read it. Hope you guys do too. On to my next pick. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 18 with Superman Space Age number one of a three issue miniseries. Since Junior Phoenix also picked this title first, on the forums. I will not repeat the solicit again. I'll just say I'll be getting the main cover by Mike Allred, although the variant cover by Steve Rude is also tempting because I love his art as well. It is a little steep at $9.99, but the fact that it's Mike Allred doing the art and an alternate story of Superman as he becomes the first superhero of the space age as well as his development through this era. So Superman Space Age looks like a very promising miniseries. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 22 with Batman Superman World's Finest Number 5, written by Mark Wade, art and main cover by Dan Mora, and that's the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is by Francesco Mattina, and a 1 in 25 variant cover is by Pete Wood, 
and a 1 in 50 variant cover is done by Alexander Lozano. The cover price is $3.99 for the regular edition for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale on July 19th. The first arc of World's Finest concludes with a shocking foreshadowing of DCU events to come. The sinister machinations of the devil Nezha have run ragged the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight ever since he made his first terrifying debut in Detective Comics number 1050. But what secrets does this villain hold for the future of the DCU? Clues abound for the next big DCU series in this climactic final chapter to the first arc of World's Finest. I'll be getting the second issue in my next shipment from Discount Comic Book Service, which should arrive this next week as I'm recording this on Mother's Day. And I really enjoyed the first issue as much as I had hoped. Mark Wade and Dan Mora set up a big challenge for the Man of Steel, and I'm looking forward to see how... The world's finest team is going to solve this latest crisis, no pun intended. And I'll be looking forward to seeing what the next storyline that Mark Wade and Dan Mora has cooked up for the world's finest team. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in a DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 34 with Action Comics number 1045. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Ricardo Federici. The backup story art is by David Laffham. And the main cover is by Lucio Parillo, which is the one I'll be getting. And a variant cover is by Rafael Sarmento. The regular edition cover price is $4.99 for 40 pages. And the cardstock variant cover is $5.99. And this issue goes on sale July 26th. The War World Revolution escalates as Superman gains the upper hand, forcing Mongol to take desperate measures. Meanwhile, a fallen ally of Superman is resurrected at a terrible cost. A new connection to Jack Kirby's Fourth World is revealed as the War World Saga's mind-blowing conclusion nears. Then, in a world without Clark Kent, Lois Lane and John Henry Irons race against time to save Theo Law testing the limits of the mysterious element Genesis. At first, I wasn't sure how I was going to like this storyline because of how dark it was, how brutalized Superman has been in this story, but it's been an excellent story, and the creators have left a glimmer of hope that there is a chance for Superman to succeed. And also, what I'm looking forward to in this issue is a connection to Jack Kirby's Fourth World, which shows how ahead of his time Jack Kirby was, even though the Fourth World didn't last long in its original run, it still has an impact on the modern DC universe. And I'll be curious to find out just how the creative team will wrap up the War World Revolution. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 38 with Fables number 153, which is the third issue of a 12-issue miniseries and picked up the numbering after the final issue of the first Fable series, which ended in issue 150. 
It's written by Bill Willingham with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloha. The main cover is by Castina Kalita, which is the one I'll be getting. And the cardstock variant cover is by Mark Buckingham. The main edition is $3.99 for 32 pages. And the cardstock variant cover is $4.99 and is scheduled to go on sale July 19th. Don't come back until you've had a big adventure. What's the worst that could happen? In order to get a bit of work done, Bigby has sent his young ones off into the Black Forest. But to Snow, this only spells danger. How well equipped are her cubs to face down the creatures that lurk within the woods? Fables was another one of those comic book series I was late to, but I got hooked with the very first issue I bought, and I'm looking forward to eventually collecting all of the original series in trade paperback, and I'm glad to see Fables return. And I hope that maybe in the future we'll have some more Fable miniseries. Billy Hogan again, my next DC pick is on the very next page, number 39, with Justice League vs. the Legion of Superheroes, number 5 of a six-issue miniseries, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art and main cover by Scott Godlowski, which is the one I'll be getting, and the cardstock variant covers by Travis Moore. The regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant cover is $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale July 12th. With the reveal of who is behind the great darkness that is tearing the galaxy apart, the Justice League and the Legion of Superheroes are at odds over how to handle the incomprehensible evil that has brought them together. This time-spanning epic stars all your favorite superheroes from two different time periods. Batman, Saturn Girl, Superman, Brainiac 5, Naomi, and dozens more race into battle to save the galaxy from being pulled apart. But at what cost? Will everyone survive this? What got me hooked on this miniseries was The Legion of Superheroes. As this picks up the plot from the previous Legion series. And I hope this miniseries is popular enough that the Legion will return in hopefully a more regular comic book series. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 41 with Superman, Son of Kal-El number 13, written by Tom Taylor and Nicole Maines, art by Clayton Henry, the main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting, and the cardstock variant cover is by A.L. Kaplan, and a 1 in 25 variant cover is by Clayton Henry. The main cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale July 12th. It's the dramatic DCU debut of Dreamer. When every hero on Earth is threatened by Henry Bendix's machinations, it's a race against time for Dreamer to warn Superman before it happens. But will this mysterious new ally's premonition become a nightmare for Jonathan Kent? When I saw the name Dreamer, it made me think of the character Beautiful Dreamer from Jack Kirby's DC creation, The Forever People. In this series, the creative team has taken Henry Bendix, a character from Wildstorm's Stormwatch and The Authority, and made him a villain almost on par with Lex Luthor. 
and I'm enjoying reading Superman, Son of Kal-El, and seeing how Jonathan Kent is becoming his own man of steel, and not just following in his father's footsteps. My next pick is also Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 13. I'm picking this because it's written by Tom Taylor, but Nicole Maines is helping out on this, on the writing and stuff. And if that name sounds familiar, it should. That's who played Dreamer on Supergirl. So it's very interesting they're bringing this character into the DCU proper. I'm very excited about this. I think this will be interesting. The character is kind of, sort of, but not quite based on Dream Girl from the Legion of Superheroes. It's the, I don't want to say the 20th century equivalent, but kind of, sort of. Anyways, I think it'll be interesting and worth checking out. Once again, that's Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 13, on page 41 of DC Connect. Hey guys, this is Jason with a pick from the DC Connect catalog on page 46. It's House of Mystery, The Bronze Age Omnibus, Volume 3. Um, I've, I've had the other two House of Mystery Omnibus that were um, really well done. It was kind of a change from sci-fi and um, a little bit of mystery. It's changing into more like a horror-type mystery. And this is still during the code, so things are, you know, there's nothing too violent or too graphic. But I think they did a great job of bringing suspense to these stories, you know, Kind of a callback to the old school EC comics, horror comics from the 50s, but also kind of taming it down for pretty much any audience to enjoy. It looks like this clicks House of Mystery issues 227 to 254. So they'll probably have to do at least one more to finish out that series, maybe even two more if they, if they get to that point. So the interesting thing to note about these, they did House of Mystery and House of Secrets. The volume ones looked similar to you know, the other uh, Bronze Age omnibus is literally a bronze color. And then Volume 2 of House of Mystery, Volume 2 of House of Secrets, they came up with this really almost like, I would call it a pink, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better word, a pink type color. So it looks very interesting on the shelf to have them side by side. <laughs> the Volume 1s look like, you know, classic Bronze Age. The Volume 2s look like something totally different. But on the spine, it just says House of Mystery and House of Secrets, Volume 2. So we'll see. I'm curious what they're going to do with this one. But this is kind of my heyday of of DC Comics, uh, specifically Joe Orlando, who kind of brought, he kind of revitalized a lot of comics during this time. He tended to lean more towards the, you know, the mystery and supernatural genre. So one of my favorite series that he ever covered was obviously House of Mystery, House of Secrets, but specifically Weird War Tales. He did a lot of the other ones as well as an edit editor. So I definitely recommend this if you like anything from the 70s and early 80s of, of DC horror. Hi, this is Jason with my last pick, this time on page 47 of the DC Connect catalog. It's Who's Who Omnibus Volume 2. I'm very excited to see that this has been resolicited. It had come out of, I think, I can't remember which catalog it was in, maybe four or five months ago. And I remember putting in my request to Eric and... He emailed back that it had already been canceled, but the hopes were that they were going to just resolicit it at a later date, which they do a lot of that. So I was really glad to see that it popped up in this catalog, but it's it's kind of completes the original Who's Who series. So you had the one from the 80s, you know, covering the 80s characters up until like the crisis time. And this one 
collects some some of my favorite stuff ever really it's who's who in the legion of superheroes specifically who's who in the legion oh yeah who's who in the legion of superheroes one through seven who's who in the dc universe one through 16 and who's who in the dc universe update 1993 one through two so i had like a mixed bag of trying to collect these i, I never seem to get all of them in one swoop so this is a good a good way to do that and just kind of like you know i feel like it's kind of a time capsule because in many ways, I think DC has changed so much and there's so many derivatives of each of each character now. And so it's kind of hard to remember kind of like where where things started from. And so that's what I really like about these. You kind of can see, you know, some of the classic storylines and kind of the way the characters looked and a little bit of their history at that at that time, what I call the classic era. So highly recommend this for anybody who is a, a, a longtime DC Comics fan. My next pick is also on page 47 of the DC Connect catalog, and it is Who's Who Omnibus Volume 2. I think I talked about it the last time this was coming out, but I'm still excited about it. I'm still looking forward to it. A little more so probably now than before, because I don't know that I was doing the Legion Spotlight when it was first announced, and this is going to have the Who's Who and the Legion of Superheroes miniseries that went seven issues and such. I'm a big process junkie. I think this is a lot of fun. I really do wish they would do an updated version of this. But once again, that's Who's Who Omnibus Volume 2 on page 47 of DC Connect. Hey, this is James. This time I'm in the Marvel previews. And once again, on page number one, just like with the DC uh, Connect, the first thing that caught my eye is Avengers 1 million BC. The writer is Jason Aaron. The artist is Kev Walker. And what's funny is Avengers has not really been working for me. So why in the heck am I calling out Avengers 1 million BC? When I think back, it was kind of an interesting concept when when we first saw the Avengers from 1 million BC. So I want to see what he does with this. I, I don't know how long this title will go for. I don't know if it's a miniseries. I take, take it back. It says right down here at the bottom, one shot. So this is a one shot and it's the secret origin of Thor revealed. Now, Thor, I'm like, secret origin? I thought we kind of know the origin of Thor. So what the heck is the secret origin of Thor? I don't know. Is this a retcon, a retool? I have no idea what we have going on here. But I've been enjoying both Jason Aaron's run on Thor and now Donnie Cates' run on Thor. So I'm curious with this Avengers 1 million BC, would this, the secret origin of Thor revealed? what this is going to do, if it's going to have an impact on what Cates is doing. So that's really what kind of drew me to this. It says, they are defenders of the dawn of time, Marvel's first and mightiest legacy heroes, but their greatest secrets have never been revealed until now. Witness the dark events that shatter their ranks. See how their lives come to shape the entire future of the Marvel Universe and be there for the monumental event that reunites them one last time, the true story of Thor's birth. So... Sounds cool to me. I'm going to check it out and on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Axe Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day number one. So if you have been reading specifically the Karen Gillum written Eternals or Kieran Gillum's Immortal X-Men, you've kind of been seeing the seeds for this crossover being planted. 
In particular, you've picked up the free comic book day, Judgment Day prequel, which is written by Karen Gillum, and I think does a wonderful job of outlining the stakes, especially from the Eternals perspective. So the Eternals are quote unquote the guardians of the status quo for the planet Earth and have the ability to revive themselves once they've been killed. The Eternals through machinations have discovered that the X-Men also now possess the ability to come back from the dead. And so there now that there is a concern that the mutants are the quote-unquote deviants and the Eternals and mortal enemies are the deviants. So that's where the, the conflict comes in with the Eternals and the X-Men. Now, in the Avengers, they're more or less probably just caught in the middle of things. We've previously had an Avengers versus X-Men crossover. Actually, Marvel has done that twice, once in the 80s, once in the, in the I believe it was 2011 or so. So those, those two teams have clashed. I'm looking forward to this event because, again, Karen Gillum is a known quantity. He wrote the X-Men maybe like 12 years ago. He actually was part of the creative team for the Avengers vs. X-Men event, so he was in, in the midst of that. He has, as I mentioned before, been writing Eternals, and he is currently part of the Krakoan Brain Trust as the writer of an Immortal X-Men. So I think he, he has a really good handle on probably where this is going to go. The artwork for issues one and two are being provided by Valaro Shidi. Valaro Shidi has been working on a number of books, whether it's been various X-Men titles, it's been Thor. Shidi has also worked on some other Marvel crossovers as well. So again, Shidi, I, I really like Shidi's so it's a very clean superheroic style. I, I would say it's kind of in that that sort of house style that Marvel has been doing a lot lately. That's sort of borrowing a little from Stuart Eminent and so forth. Axe, Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, Judgment Day, number one, can be found on page two of the Marvel previews catalog and costs $5.99. Axe, Judgment Day, number two of six can be found on page three of the Marvel previews catalog and costs $4.99. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Captain Carter number five. Folks, we have reached the climax of this Captain Carter miniseries. Hopefully, the plane is landed and sets up possible future installments. I personally have been really enjoying writer Jamie McKelvey and artist Marika Cresta's take on this character. Now, if you're not familiar with Captain Carter, the setup is fairly simple. It's what if Peggy Carter received the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers? The Captain Carter character appeared in an episode of the Disney Plus series. What if there was a whole episode devoted to the character? And Captain Carter appeared prior to the release of that Disney Plus series. And it was 
at least five or six years ago, the character appeared in the last volume of Exiles. The Captain Carter miniseries essentially picks up from more or less Peggy Carter has been reawoken in current day UK and is trying to put her life back together. Now, throughout the course of this miniseries, Peggy Carter has met and befriended Betsy Braddock, who, if you're an X-Men fan, know is Psylocke or currently goes by the moniker of Captain Britain. Peggy Carter encounters this universe's version of Tony Stark. Because remember, the Captain Carter miniseries, and it, like the What If series, is not set in the main MCU. Based on the cover, we're kind of reaching the climax of the story arc, which has involved Peggy Peggy Carter coming to understand this contemporary society. She has been uh, part of Strike, which is the UK equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and has been more or less, you know, encountering different twists on 616 concept. Now, the writer, Jamie... McKelvey. I primarily am familiar with Jamie McKelvey as an artist. McKelvey does provide the regular covers for the series. McKelvey has written comics prior to, prior to Captain Carter, including a miniseries at Image Comics a number of years ago called Suburban Glamour. The artwork is provided by Marika Cresta. Cresta has worked on some Star Wars series. I believe it was Dr. Afra, if I remember correctly. And I think that Cresta does a really good job with the fight scenes. As the uh, series has progressed, McKelvey and Cresta really, really are honing their, their craft. So I think one is feeding off of the other. And so I think visually and, well, in terms of, a reading experience, I think it's really worthwhile. So if you haven't picked up the Captain Carter series before now, I think you need to go back and read them, whether it's on Marvel Unlimited or pick up pick up the back issues or pick up the trade when, whenever it comes out, because I think that this is a really nice little package. Captain Carter, number five, can be found on page 38 of the Marvel Previews catalog and costs $3.99. Hi, this is Jason. I thought that the last pick was going to be my last pick, but this will be my last pick. It's uh, Moon Knight 13 from the Marvel's Previews catalog. So there was a big fear that with issue 12 that Moon Knight was going to get canceled and then re, uh, re-solicited as a new series or maybe have a little bit of a break. But apparently it's been doing really well. I do enjoy uh, Jed McKay's take on Moon Knight. And so it looks like this is kind of picking up like a fresh arc. So I I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for anybody who's looking at maybe getting into Moon Knight. I have enjoyed the the Disney Plus series without any spoilers. It it is a different take, but also it feels like every, every writer who takes on Moon Knight does have a little bit of a different take. But just like the, I feel like the Disney Plus series worked. This is a different type of Moon Knight, but I'd feel like that his, the series also works. So definitely recommend it. Billy Hogan again. 
My only Marvel pick is on page 45 of the Marvel Previews magazine with Fantastic Four number 46, written by Dan Slott, with art and cover A by Kei-Fu. Cover B is by R.B. Silva, which is a Stormbreaker variant, and cover C is a Superlog Predator variant. The title of this story is Family First. Not a dream, not a hoax. This is real. Thanks to the knowledge of the Watchers, the lost daughter of Nathaniel Richards has been found. It's time to finally meet the mysterious sister of Reed Richards. But is it time to welcome her into the family? It's a day of amazing adventures both in her world and in the world of the Fantastic Four. Guest starring Namor, King of Atlantis. Rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on August 3rd for the cover price of $3.99. One of the things I've loved most about the Fantastic Four ever since my first issue, which was, I think, issue 38, which guest starred Daredevil back in the mid-1960s, is the family aspect of the Fantastic Four. And that's something that is carried on through the various series and creative teams over the decades. And it's just as important a part of the Fantastic Four now as when Lee and Kirby first created the Fantastic Four. My next pick is on page 45 of the Marvel Previews. It is Fantastic Four number 46. Now, I know Billy just talked about it, but this one has me excited because we're finally going to find out about Reed's long-lost sister. That was a plotline introduced a little while ago, and they just really haven't touched on it since. So, about time they're going to get back to that, and I'm looking forward to it. So, once again, that's Fantastic Four number 46 on page 45 of the Marvel Previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm on page 49 of the Marvel's previews. And it is Predator number one, writer Ed Brisson, artist Kev Walker, and cool cover art like that. The thing that drew me to this, Predator was solicited a long time ago, along with Aliens. When the Aliens and Predator left Dark Horse, they came to Marvel. We got the solicits. Alien came out. Predator did not. There was some kind of fight in court over the rights of Predator. Apparently, Disney won those rights after purchasing Fox and their studios. But so Predator's finally coming out in singles, and they're also going to have some omnibus that are coming out with the Predator stuff from over there at uh, Dark Horse. So I'm definitely going to check it out and read it and see if it's good. I used to love the Predator movies, going back to, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was just a really cool movie back in the day in the 80s. It says, in the near future, a young girl sees her family slaughtered by the deadliest and most feared hunter in the universe, a Predator. Years later, though, her ship is barely holding together and food is running short. Theta won't stop stalking the spaceways until the Yajata monster who has killed her family is dead, or she is. Ed Brisson and Kev Walker are going to be forged this new book. Anyways, Predator was always cool. Basically, the Predators, if you have not watched the movies, I don't know why you haven't watched the movie. I think everyone's probably seen it up until now, but let's assume you didn't. They're a spacefaring species. They travel around the universe, and they're hunters, just like our hunters here who go out with bows or rifles and hunt deer and mount the heads on the wall. They're prize hunters. They go to different planets, and they hunt the local game, being humans, 
and mount our heads on the wall, essentially, you know, basically we're the prize, get the skull. So it's, it's kind of like a role reversal there. Humans hunting the prey. Now we are the prey and the predators coming after us, whereas we are normally the predators going after deer or elk or moose or whatever, you know, what have you. So I'm definitely on board for this. I think it'll be cool. Check it out. I'm still waiting for Predator versus Wolverine and Predator versus Alien, which will eventually come. On to my next pick. Hey everyone, Chris Brawley again with my picks this month. And for my first pick, I'm in the Marvel Supplemental on page 49, and I'm looking at Predator number one. Written by Ed Brisson with art from Kev Walker. This was severely delayed first back in 2020 and then again in April of last year, only a few days after the solicitations went live, along with the Predator Omnibus, which collected Dark Horse Comics' Predator comics into one big ultimate collection. The delay was chalked up to a copyright dispute with Disney filed by the original writers of the first Predator film. Earlier this year, the parties amicably settled their dispute, which probably helped Marvel spin its Predator plans back up. So these comics have been on the shelf for a while. Let's hope they're worth the wait. Here is the solicit. In the near future, a young girl sees her family slaughtered by the deadliest and most feared hunter in the universe, a Predator. Years later, though her ship is barely holding together and food is running short, she won't stop stalking the spaceways until the monster who killed her family is dead, or she is. It's an all-new series of stories, and what Marvel says is a violent, heartbreaking, and unforgettable new chapter in the Predator saga not to be missed. Check it out on page 49 of the Marvel Previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel previews. This time I'm back in the collected editions, and there are some new Omnibus and some reprints of Omnibus coming out. There is a Wolverine Volume 3 coming out, which I'm definitely picking up. But there's something that I wanted to call out that's actually not an Omnibus. It's back on page 72 in his epic collection. It is King Conan Chronicles epic collection, Phantoms and Phoenixes. This is it says Volume 1 in the King Conan Chronicles. Volume 1 sounds good because it means there should be a Volume 2. We are getting 464 pages for 45 bucks, roughly. We will get a nice hefty discount at Deep Discount Comics with Eric. So definitely hit him up to save some money. Now, I'm going to mention something else in here a little bit later on. <laughs> okay, so it says, this is written by Joshua Dysart, Tim Truman, and Victor Gisler. Gis- I, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering his name. And there's a bunch of different pencil pencils. P, uh, Will Conrad, Thomas Giarello. I love Thomas Giarello. Attila Futaki and Tony Rodriguez is a few of them. Now, you know, it says uneasy ties. Uneasy uh, lies the head that wears the crown. Conan won his throne of the kingdom of Aquilonia and the hand of a beautiful bride. What I'm going to tell you about King Conan, I'm not going to read all this. King Conan, with me, was the conclusion and what Conan was working toward. We started with Conan and his tribal family as a boy gaining respect. Depending on which version you read, sometimes he gains his respect and becomes a warrior out on his own. Other times he's captured and enslaved and goes to fighting pits like the movies. But he, he kind of builds his character. He goes from being a uh, criminal, basically uh, you know, uh, taking contracts and stealing goods and to a cutthroat to being a commander in armies to basically finding himself through over time 
becoming the king of Aquilonia, which was like the kingdom, you know, the equivalent of like a Roman empire back then. And so this is Conan is all story working up to this. And so you see him at different times, you know, commanding armies and stuff like that. So I always liked, you know, the swords and sandals and the sorcery stuff. But I always my favorite stuff was him as a king and leading the armies into battle. So this is going to be collecting that stuff. It says this collects, let's see, it collects Conan and the Midnight God, number one through five, King Conan, the Scarlet Citadel, one through four, King Conan, the Phoenix on the Sword, one through four, Conan, the Phantoms of the Black Coast, one through five, and material from Age of Conan, Hyperborean Adventures. So I would definitely check this out. It sounds like it's going to be a good read. I'm going to be picking it up and sticking it with the other epic collections of Conan that I have. Um, I get everything Conan, and I'm going to enjoy it. And on to my next pick. Hey, this is James with my pick in the previews catalog. And this is the May catalog for comics coming out in July. And here in the image section, I stopped at the second book that I saw solicited. The first one I kind of glossed right over. On page 44, we have Starhenge Book 1, The Dragon and the Boar. And it's a miniseries. It's one of six. Now. In this miniseries, you're getting 40 pages for $3.99, so it seems a little bit bigger than a normal comic, which is nice for $3.99. What really caught my eye on this at the beginning was the art and something in the solicit. The art is just fantastic. It's beautiful. And the reason why is it's Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp is a fantastic artist. He does a really terrific job. The second thing that caught my eye was it says it's fantasy and science fiction. Ah, sounds right up my alley. I like fantasy. I like science fiction. So it I'm going to have to read you the solicit to tell you what this is about. We have revered creator Liam Sharp cuts loose in his visually stunning six-issue masterpiece, Starhenge Book One. A future Merlin travels to the 5th century BC Britain to prevent monstrous time-traveling killer robots from robbing the universe of magic. And Amber Weaver's lively present-day narrative reveals how she becomes drawn into a war across time. Sounds cool. It says, the Terminator meets the Green Knight in 30 enthralling story pages, setting the scene for this original epic inspired by the Arthurian sagas. So a lot of King Arthur stuff in here because we're getting a Merlin, and but we're also getting futuristic stuff, robots fighting. So it sounds like it could be cool. Like I said, the art in here looks just terrific. It looks really beautiful. So if you're not getting the previous catalog, you need to check out the preview pages on Previous World Online because it looks fantastic. I'm going to be picking this one up. Kind of excited for it. And on to my next pick. This is Nick with a uh, pick from the main previews catalog, this time from the image section. And I know Billy and I believe James are also covering this particular one. So I just wanted to jump in here real quick and gush about the preview art that is provided here for Starhenge Book 1. The Dragon and the Boar, number one of six. I don't know if this is some kind of long, complicated, multi-book, multi-chapter, multi-whatever type series, but as long as Liam Sharp is putting this out, I will definitely be buying this. The first thing that caught my attention was page 21, where the headline jumps out, Merlin wages war against science across time in Liam Sharp's image series Starhenge. Look to page 44. Jumping over to page 44... The preview write-up is great, and the following three pages of preview art are just simply amazing. Bye, bye, bye. Definitely. 
This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page 52 in the image comics section. It's Above Snakes, number one of five, written by Sean Lewis and Hayden Sherman. This will be the first of several books that Hayden Sherman actually has art coming out for this month. It says, The hit team behind The Few and Thumbs returns with an all-new wild-as-hell miniseries. Writer Sean Lewis and artist Hayden Sherman and rock star letterer Hassan Atsmane Elahu, which, hey, way to point out the, the letter, that's awesome, introduce a world where Deadwood-style westerns collide with the fantasia of Neo Gaiman in the story of Dirt, a man seeking vengeance for his murdered wife with nothing but a talking vulture to prod him on. Above Snakes is a fast and furious explosion of western tropes and American vengeance that explores where our rage can take us. And Preview art here is definitely in the style of Hayden Sherman, so if you're a fan of that, check it out. Could be a, kind of a bonker story, so take that for what it is. This is Nick with a pick from page 57 of the main previews catalog in the Image Comics section, and in my attempt to uh, highlight just fantastic art on display this month, this is The Hollows. A one-shot from writer Chris Rial, but more importantly, artist Sam Keith. This is going to be a 96-page comic for $9.99, so a little beefier and a little uh, pricier than usual. It says, uh, in this specially priced extra-length comic, artist Sam Keith and writer Chris Rial transport you to a dystopian near-future Japan, where spectral once-human husks prey on the unfortunates who couldn't find salvation in the skyscraper-like trees that now dominate the decimated landscape. A, a discredited scientist works furiously to find a cure until a one-eyed orphan girl and her pet, Erp, force him to rethink everything he knows. I don't know what that means exactly, but there's definitely a goofy, derpy-looking kind of thing on the front cover, and it's got Sam Keith art, so I'm there all day long. Page 57, 999, out July 27th. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the main previews catalog, and this time I'm on page 61 in the image section, and we have Mark Millar, or Miller, however you want to pronounce it, I call it Millar because of how it's spelled, <laughs> with a new book, and like all of his books, it's a miniseries, it's one of five, Prodigy, the Icarus Society. So, Prodigy, the Icarus Society, it says, the Magic Order and King of Spies writer Mark Miller launches a brand new five-issue series starring Edison Crane, his favorite creation. And this time, he's brought along amazing Star Wars artist Matteo Bafagni. Buff, uh, I'm butchering this. I don't know how to say it. To blow you all away. Edison Crane is the world's smartest man. But what happens when he's targeted by an entire club of geniuses who also fly too close to the sun? Meet the Icarus Society. So, sounds like it could be cool. I liked Prodigy when it came out a long time ago. It's been a long time. He doesn't do a good job of reminding me necessarily what was going on a long time ago when Prodigy came out. So it's more like I got my fingers crossed. But typically when Mark Miller releases stuff like this, there's going to be a Netflix series shortly afterwards. So and hopefully it'll get us caught up and something good will come out on Netflix. I don't know, but I'm going to pick it up and check it out. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My only Image Comics pick is on page 71 with Ministry of Space Trade Paperback, written by Warren Ellis, 
with art and cover by Laura Martin and Chris Weston. Weston is the penciler and maybe inker, and Laura Martin is the colorist. This is the story of how we could have gone to space. Maybe how we should have gone to space. This is the story of the Ministry of Space, the black budget that financed the move into space, the deaths of the test pilots taken from the surviving Spitfire flyers of the Battle of Britain, and in 2000, the end of the Golden Age as America and Russia began moving into space, the secret revealed and the destruction of a man who sacrificed himself for the Ministry of Space, plus a sketchbook section by Chris Weston and an all-new appendix by Warren Ellis revealing the facts behind the fiction, collects Ministry of Space number 1 through 3 and is scheduled to be in shops on June 8th for the cover price of twelve ninety nine. I already have an earlier trade paperback of this miniseries in my collection, but I can't resist picking up this new edition because of the all-new appendix by Warren Ellis where he reveals the facts behind uh, the story he has created. This is one of those alternate history stories, like uh, Harry Turldove, who has done alternate histories of what if Nazi Germany had won World War II, or if the South had won the Civil War. But Ministry of Space explores the story of what if Great Britain had been the country that began the Space Age. How would the era of space exploration have played out? Would have would it have happened earlier, uh, later? And how would Great Britain be able to afford to begin the space age when they were still digging themselves out of the rubble of the aftermath of World War II? Warren Ellis's series Planetary is my all-time favorite comic book series, but this Ministry of Space miniseries is a close second. I'm also going to have to find out surreptitiously if my son, daughter, and son-in-law have this trade paperback in their collections, because if not, I might be tempted to buy extra copies as Christmas presents, but don't tell them. So if you like alternate history or science fiction, I would recommend getting this new edition of the Ministry of Space trade paperback. This is Nick with a pick from the main previous catalog, the Dynamite Comics section. And uh, this pick, um, I almost didn't make it any farther in the catalog after uh, seeing this preview art very early on in the catalog as an advertisement. This is page 174, Savage Tales. Number one, this is listed as a one-shot, 40 pages for $4.99, and seems to maybe be a some sort of collaboration with the Kubert School graduates, and it says here, written by Scott Brian Wilson and David Avalone, artists are Al Barrianuevo, Mariano Benitez Chapo, Will Rio, and Hamish Cook, Savage Tales is back. This all-new one-shot features four tales of brutality, thrills, and spills, and includes the dynamite debut of two up-and-coming artists from the renowned Kubert School. This issue's lineup includes Red Sona in the, in the Executioner's Sword by writer Scott Brian Wilson and artist Al Barrianuevo. Magic mixed with swordcraft makes for horrific, unintended consequences, 
As Red Sonia must defeat an insatiable hunger. Vampirella, in Horrible People Doing Horrible Things to Horrible People, by writer Scott Brian Wilson and Cubert School artist Mariano Benitez Chapo. Harkening back to the spirit of the Warren Magazine era, Vampirella serves adolescent in morality as only she can. Alan Quatermain in Missionaries of Madness, by David Avalon and Will Rio, the legendary hunter stalks the Cthulhu cult. Can one man with a rifle stand against the coming of the great old ones? Captain Gulliver Jones in His War, by David Avalon and Cubert School, artist Hamish Cook. Years after his adventure on Mars, the fabled swashbuckler finds a new and darker war to fight, one that might just lead him back to his own redemption. And then there's a little promo here for the uh, Cubert School. But definitely, you have to check out the cover here for Savage Tales number one by Arthur Saidam. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Check this book out, though. Seems kind of like a fun approach. Always good to see some up-and-coming talent, so hopefully their art is very good. The price again, $4.99. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the Dark Horse section on page 124. A property that kind of disappeared for a while. I thought it was done, but it is back. We are getting another volume of Mind Management. This one called Bootleg. Mind Management, Bootleg, number one of four. Now, Mind Management, I read it a long time ago. I remember I loved it. And I was trying, I was like trying to jar my memory. What in the heck was that about? And then it, when I read the solicit, I was like, okay, I kind of remember what it was about. Mind Management is weird, mind-blowing, paranoid storytelling. It is the first ever comic book from Flux House, Matt Kent's all-new imprint, which features crime, science fiction, and humor stories, all told in startling and untraditional ways. Upcoming publications will take many forms, and the polybagged variant versions of Mind Management, don't care for those, will contain a card that is playable as a playing card or as part of a new Flux House game. Not playing that game, don't care about that. Okay, previously in Mind Management, this was the key. Okay, so they're giving... Matt Kent, his own little imprint at Dark Horse. So previously in management, for those who had read it, or those who don't know, this is what it's about. A covert government agency of psychic super spies fell into oblivion after one of their top agents went rogue. What looked like the end was only the beginning as the former leader of mind management explores the darkest parts of the world and recruits a team of forgotten agents to rebuild the organization and bend reality and go to war with a competing agency. I remember my management was very cool. The art was very trippy. The art actually looks a little bit better in this version of my management versus Matt Kent. I think he was doing his own art back then, and it was pretty rough. The artist on this, it looks like, I guess it's Dariemple, Feral Dariemple. I, I I don't know how you say that name, um, but I'm definitely on board for this because I really liked my management when it came out. Hoping this is a good one. It's only a four-issue miniseries, so you're not on board for a lot of issues, and it is a gem of the month. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previous catalog, this time page 132 in the Dark Horse comic section. This is Madman Library Edition Volume 3 hardcover. I'll say it again, but it's Michael Allred, Laura Allred, gathering up all of his entire library of uh, Madman comics. This is the next volume. I think they're supposed to do about six of these, so get it. It's going to be 680 pages, 8 by 12 inches. $99.99 out on sale September 7th. Let's see if it says what we collect. Yes. 
Volume 3 collects Michael Ard's popular comic series, The Atomics, numbers 1 through 15, and the cult classic graphic novel, Red Rocket 7. Both essential all-red commentaries on superhero team antics, music, pop culture, and zany sci-fi fun. This is James back with another pick in the Dark Horse section in the previews catalog on page 141. This one, I'm going to keep it short. The Orville Library Edition, Volume 1. John and I have both done weekly spotlights. We've done monthly spotlights where we've talked about Orville back issue spotlights, I believe. So honestly, I just know we've, we've talked a lot about the Orville. The Orville is fantastic. They're going to be coming out with a new season soon, and I'm assuming this library will come out right around the same time that the new season, The Orville, is coming out. And this is a hardcover collection. It is 50 bucks, but you will only pay $25 from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics, so get hooked up with Eric. Let me know if you need to get in touch with him. He's on our Slack channel. Nuts if you don't get in touch with him and save some money. But this is written by David A. Goodman and David Cabeza as an artist. David Goodman is also a writer on the show, which is why all the characters sound exactly like they do. Their voice and the things that they're saying in the comic, you can see them playing out like an episode. These are like additional episodes in between the break and the show. I I thought it was terrific. So this is going to be collecting The Orville Season 1.5, New Beginnings, The Orville Season 2.5, Launch Day, and The Orville Season 2.5, Digressions. All of it was fantastic. I'm picking this up in a hardcover because I enjoyed it so much, and I'm putting it up on my shelf. These Dark Horse hardcovers are very nice. They're larger. I would say they're even larger than a Marvel Omnibus, the size of them. So they're really big pages, and I think they're just fantastic the way they're put together. And as far as money goes, it's great bang for your buck. 25 bucks for 280 pages and a huge card cover. Pick this one up. On to my next pick. Brawlinator again, and now I'm in the main previews catalog along with everyone else, and I'm on page 141, and I'm eyeing this Orville Library Edition hardcover volume one. I know James is looking at this too. It's an oversized hardcover chronicling six missions that were not seen in episodes of Seth MacFarlane's beloved sci-fi show. This collection of comics were, was written by executive producer of the show, David A. Goodman, and these uh, stories are set between the events of the TV show seasons one through three, which we haven't seen yet. Uh, It's assembling all the stories from the following. The Orville Season 1.5 New Beginnings, The Orville Season 2.5 Launch Day, and The Orville Season 2.5 Digressions. I've got all these in floppies, uh, but I think I'm going to double dip and get this too. It's 280 pages, and if you're a fan of the show, you will definitely enjoy these stories. That's no exaggeration. I think they're a great extension of the show. It really scratches that Star Trek Next Generation itch that I don't think Paramount Plus's shows are doing, at least not for me. If you like them, I'm happy for you. But I really like the classic stuff, and this really pays homage to it, I think. Um, it's, it's kind of my favorite sort of way to extend licensed properties. I used to really enjoy when Marvel would do an, it would go beyond the movies like they did with Star Wars and they did with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark with an Indiana Jones series. This is a great extension of the show. I really like that it is uh, that the stories are written by the executive producer from the series. And uh, just check out the hardcover edition of the Orville Library Edition. It's on page 141 of this month's previews.
Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm in the dynamite section on page 159 where we have Vampirilla Year One. The writer is Christopher Priest. He's not my favorite writer, <laughs> but he does a good job when he's on. The artist is Erguin Gunduz. Honestly, that name sounds Turkish, so I'm guessing. And Giovanni Tempano, so Turkish and Italian together. They have some terrific covers on here, but let's get to the content. Vampirilla Year One, I'm not going to go in depth. There's like an interview in here. They have some stuff where they're talking to you about the writers and what it's going to be about. But if you get to the pages, the preview pages, you can see this is going back to Vampirilla as a young girl on Draculon. And the reason why I'm mentioning this, you don't get a lot of stuff seeing Vampirilla as a young girl on Draculon. You see her go back to Draculon, the planet that she's originally from. But this is going to show her year one, her, her early ages, you know, the, the Vampirilla that we never have gotten to see. We always get to see her as this buxom vixen, you know, fighting creatures and, you know, whatever. But here, you, I, I remember one time Eric from Cowabunga was asking me, because there's people who'd be interested in Vampirilla, and he's like, you know, you read this stuff and it's kind of in depth. And he's like, where's a ch good jumping on point? And at that time, I was like, you got to go back to the Vampirilla archives, which I have all the hardcovers. There's like 15 of them, the archives from way back in the 60s, 70s, or whenever they were from, talking about Vampirilla for the stuff today to make sense because nobody tells you the backstory, gives you like an origin point. So this will give you somewhat of an origin of the character, which will be nice because then if you want to read current Vampirilla stuff, it probably will start to make sense. And that's me assuming because I haven't read this yet. Hasn't come out, but I'm going to jump on board. I like the character Vampirilla, and I think it could be fun. And on to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm in the back half of the previous catalog. And the first thing I stopped at was in a blaze on page 218, where there's a new title that came out. And this one sounded really cool. I'm probably going to butcher the name of the comic. It looks like Promethe. 1313. I, I think it's Promethean. Not, uh, I, I think that's how it's pronounced. It almost looks like it should be Prometheus, but it's not. It's Promethean 1313. Okay, the creative team, Christopher Christoph Beck and Andy Diggle, who I've read Andy Diggle before, and Sean Martinborough, colorist Steve Stewart. So Andy Diggle, just so you know, he did The Losers, Thief of Thieves, Hellblazer, Uncanny Sean Martinborough did Thief of Thieves, Batman Detective Comics, The Black Panther, Hellboy, and the colorist, you know, Dave Stewart, he's, you know, colored everything from Hellboy to the Umbrella Academy, you name it. But the thing that was cool was the story itself, what they're telling me it's about, this sounds right up my alley. And it, it sounds clever and so different than other comics. What if you knew the world was about to end? What would you be willing to do to save the people you love? Darla Clemencio, I guess she's French has been plagued by apocalyptic visions ever since she was abducted by a UFO as a child. Now she's ready to put it all behind her and move on with her life. But what if it's all true? A dangerous cult militia is preparing for the end of the world, and they see Darla as the key to their survival. Meanwhile, something alien is awakening on the dark side of the moon, and the crew of the space shuttle Atlantis have a rendezvous with destiny. Promethe 1313 tells the thrilling, fast-paced space drama leading up to the moments of September 21st, 2019 at 1313. So, sounds like it could be a really cool story. I'm on board for it. Let's see what a blaze has. There is a QR code inside of the previews, or you can go online. I can give you the key code if you need a PDF. 
but you can scan with this QR code to get preview pages of the comic to see if it's something that you might enjoy before actually putting money down on it. But it's not like you're going to be putting down a ton of money. It's $3.99, and I'm going to definitely read this one. Hopefully it's good. Fingers crossed. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog on page 223 from Abrams. It's Pulp Power, the Art of the Street and Smith Universe. So it has a hardcover reference book, 352 pages, $65, and the size of this book is 10 by 13 inches. Now it says, Pulp Power gives fans a rare glimpse into the pre-war pulp novel decade of the 1930s a period of bold action and adventure storytelling that ultimately led to the creation of the comic book and the superheroes we know and love today. In more than 500 novels written between 1930 and 1940, The Shadow, Doc Savage, and the Street and Smith universe of characters captivated a generation of Americans with their heroic exploits and inspired a new generation of writers to create a pantheon of comic book superheroes in their mold. In Pulp Power, Hundreds of these eye-catching covers are reproduced as a collection for the first time. Comics legend Dan Didio provides context for the cover illustrations, alongside a narrative discussion of the influence of the Street and Smith superhero universe on legendary creators such as Orson Welles, Truman Capote, Michael Chabon, George Lucas, Agnes Moorhead, James Patterson, Walter Mosley, Dwayne Johnson, Frank Miller, James Bama, Jim Steranko, Jim Lee, Gail Simone, and many more. So I'm highlighting this one, one, because I've always been intrigued by the Pulp Heroes. I love the the old Shadow Radio plays and things like that. But really, the more you dig into the history of anything dealing with comics, you realize all of these original comic characters were either exact copies or kind of combinations of different things that people loved already at the time in these heroes and and villains and kind of anti-heroes that were popular in the pulp magazines at the time. Brawlinator again. Now this may sound like I'm on a Mar- back in the Marvel catalog, but no, I'm in the main previews catalog on page 226. This is a previews exclusive and we might not all get one of these. Uh, they are limited. Uh, this is, um, I think, many of us that have been listening to John's podcast may want to check this out. It's on page 226 in the preview section, and it's described as the first long-form work written and illustrated by acclaimed artist Alex Ross. And he's revisiting a classic Stan Lee Jack Kirby story from the 1960s and introduces the storyline for a new generation of readers. It's the slipcase edition of Fantastic Four Full Circle, and this thing is chock full of bold, vivid colors and Ross's trademark painted storytelling style. Alex Ross takes Marvel's first team of superheroes to places only he can illustrate. It's a classic first family of Marvel's origin story from the 60s, and it's being introduced for a new generation of readers. I think it looks beautiful. I love Ross's work in doses. I mean, I, I don't like it all the time. I'm not someone that buys every Alex Ross cover. Uh, But this is going to be beautiful, one-of-a-kind story. And, uh, of course, I love the Fantastic Four, so that doesn't hurt either. 
It's also a previews exclusive limited run of 3,000 copies, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, it also includes a bonus removable Alex Ross Fantastic Four full service, uh, full circle print in a special slip case. Again, this is limited. I don't know if we'll all get in on it who want it, uh, but there will be a regular edition solicited next month, and both versions are scheduled for an August on-sale date in shops if you want to pre-order with Cowabunga or whatever your local shop is. Nonetheless, I think it's worth checking out, and you can check out the solicit on page 226 of this month's previews. It's Alex Ross's Fantastic Four Full Circle limited edition slipcase. Brawlinator again, and friends, I would be insane if I missed including a comic book that was this special to me. It's on page 248, and it's Mike Barron's Florida Man, a laugh-out-loud, funny, and unapologetically offensive comic book for grown-ups who still love funny books. Follow Gary and his girlfriend Crystal as they go from rags to riches, back to rags to riches, and back to rags again, and laugh at their ongoing adventures of this lovable pair of losers landing in and out of jail, but always moving on to their next big scheme. Morgan Quaid over at Super Serious Comics, who got the original graphic novel, says, Grab yourself a six-pack, your 12-gauge, and a head full of crazy. Florida Man is a wild redneck fever dream fueled by a cachet of increasingly funny and absurd circumstances. A lot of you know uh, that I was the editor on this book. I helped Mike run two successful crowdfunding campaigns so we could self-publish it last year. And if you were one of the few lucky readers that got that graphic novel, I want you to know that we have added new art and extra pages pages and extended the story to turn it into a series of affordable floppies available now through American Mythology, who are best known probably for their uh, licensed properties like the Three Stooges, Pink Panther, Zorro, and Fright Night Comics, and so on. Uh, Florida Man 1 is found on page 248 in the American Mythology section of previews. I hope everybody orders 10 copies each. Uh, Just kidding, but you can learn more over at FloridaManComics.com. And it really is just a, a, a very special feeling uh, to be in previews with this book. Uh, it's uh, 40, 30, 32 pages. It's $3.99. I know you can get a massive discount at uh, Cowabunga and other online retailers. Florida Man Number 1 by Mike Barron on American Mythology, page 248. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the back half of previews on page 270 in the AWA section. And we have a new number one called Absolution by Peter Milligan, who is not always my favorite writer. Some of his stuff I've enjoyed. Illustrations by Mike Diodato. He's been doing a lot of different books at AWA. I think he's almost become exclusive to AWA, Mike Diodato. Colored by Lee Luffridge. Okay. It says, Nina Ryan was a hired killer who brought nothing but pain and suffering to the world. Now she has a month to prove that she can change, a month to make up for her crimes and find absolution, or the bombs that have been implanted in her head will explode, killing her instantly. (laughs) So you must be a good person or we're going to kill you. Doesn't doesn't sound like much of a choice. As her journey of atonement is live-streamed to a fickle public, Nina is about to discover that the road to redemption might be splattered with blood. 
this does not sound like it's one for John Mayo, but it sounds like it's one for James. <laughs> it's a mature title, but I'm definitely going to check this one out. So she's obviously, it sounds like, been captured and she's being made to atone before a public audience. Let's see how this plays out. It'll probably be just a miniseries of five issues, but I'm on board to check it out. On to my next pick. Brawlinator again, and I'm on page 316 in the heavy metal section, looking at a new series from Christopher Priest called Entropy Number no. 1. This is apparently Heavy Metal's event series from Priest and rising star artist Montos. It's described as Breaking Bad meets Green Lantern, and it's the origin story of Heavy Metal's ultimate supervillain. Henry Hanks had a good life until he betrayed Kako, the living embodiment of chaos and misery. With his whole world destroyed, Henry is killed and reborn as the newest herald of Kako, with the power to destroy entire worlds in his master's name. All issues of Entropy will have a special Breaking Bad homage incentive cover by special artist Antonio Fuzo. Sounds like a villainous uh, version of the Silver Surfer, maybe, or one of Galactus's other heralds. I'm not sure. I will check it out. I like Christopher Priest a lot, and I'd like occasionally sampling some of the things that Heavy Metal puts out. It's a new number one. It's Entropy number one on page 316 in the Heavy Metal section of previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the back half of Previews Catalog. And this time I'm on page 319 and the humanoid section where there's a couple of things. 319 or 321. Okay, I will mention something on 319. There is the Jodorowsky Library, which is, you know, collects a lot of stuff from Alejandro Jodorowsky. And it's going to be terrific. I am picking it up. This is a second library edition. Good stuff. But okay, I changed my mind. I am going to call out the one on page 321 which is the Deluxe Jimenez, the Fourth Power and the Star Conspiracy. Okay, it's a special edition collecting the great solo works of the Meta Baron's co-creator, Juan Jimenez, an artist with limitless imagination. Okay, the collection includes two works. The first, the elegant space opera, The Fourth Power, is about the odyssey of the star soldier, Exether Mega, who discovers she is at the center of a complex secret experiment to create the ultimate weapon of war. The second is the wild intergalactic romp, The Star Conspiracy, which follows an aspiring young journalist on a wild chase to uncover the conspiratorial scoop of the century. You can see the preview art in here on pages 320 and 321. Looks terrific. He is a great artist. Actually, over on page 322 and 323, you get interior pages. Terrific stuff. I'm definitely getting that. I'm also getting that Jodorowsky library thing. So I'm getting a lot of stuff from Humanoids. They are my go-to for Euro comics. Them and Magnetic Press. So if you are into Euro comics, pick this one up. The Deluxe Jimenez, I want to warn you, 384 pages. It's a hardcover. It's 80 bucks, but there will be a nice hefty discount from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics. It is an adult comic, which means it is definitely going to be very mature, not for kids. So I am going to pick it up, give me my Euro comic goodness, and on to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time page 326 in the IDW section. And just highlighting this one as it might not have hit everybody's awareness since IDW has moved around in the catalog. This is Dark Spaces Wildfire, number one, written by Scott Snyder, and art is by Hayden Sherman. 
It says, six weeks into the slow burn of the historic Arroyo Fire, a crew of women from an inmate firefighting program are risking everything on the front lines when their newest recruit, a white-collar convict, with a deep network of shady dealers, discovers their mere miles from her crooked former associate's mansion when she proposes a plan to abandon their duties and hunt for riches under cover of smoke and ash, the team must decide if they're ready to jeopardize their one sure path back to normalcy for a shot at a score that would change their lives. But is this a flicker of fortune or a deadly trap? Scott Snyder and breakout artist Hayden Sherman craft an unforgettable heist for a new age in Dark Space's wildfire. Kind of curious here just to see what Scott Snyder's doing over at IDW. Always appreciate the uh, art style of Hayden Sherman. And this sounds kind of like a gritty crime novel based in the Southwest. So I'm very curious. $3.99. Billy Hogan again. My first pick in the IDW section is on page 327 with Rocketeer, The Great Race, number four the final issue of this miniseries. The writer and story artist is Stephen Mooney. Cover A is by Gabriel Rodriguez, and this is the cover I'll be getting, and Stephen Mooney does cover B. This is it. The Rocketeer versus the Iron Baron in a race to the death for the ultimate prize. Betrayal and danger abound. Relationships crumble, and new allies are revealed. Who will emerge the final victor of the great race? Schedule be in shops on July 13th for the cover price of $4.99. I'll be getting the first issue of this miniseries in my next shipment from Discount Comic Book Service, which should arrive in this following week as I'm recording this. Rocketeer creator Dave Stevens had such an iconic art style that fit the era of the 1930s where the Rocketeer takes place. So I'm hoping Stephen Mooney's art style can do the same. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in this month's previews is still in the IDW section on page 329 with Yusagi Ojimbo, issue number 29. The writer, cover, and story artist is Stan Sakai. The Secret of the Green Dragon, part one of three. Yusagi and Yukichi are obligated to deliver a priceless jade dragon to merchant Awasi. They witness a runner delivering a parcel of jewels to the same merchant killed on the road ahead. However, the killers left the jewels and escaped with the container. They come to the realization that the box they carry may be even more valuable than the jade within. Schedule be in shops on July 20th for the cover price of $3.99. Yukichi has been a great addition to the cast of characters for Yusagi Ujimbo, and Stan Sakai does a great job of storytelling through his writing and art, as well as creating great plot twists in his stories. So if you like exploring Japanese history and folklore, then I would recommend picking up Yusagi Ujimbo number 29, and if you haven't read any of the earlier stories, then you can always pick up the collected editions of the past series. Thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. And I also would like to thank everyone else for all of their picks. 
and I look forward to listening to them and find out what everyone else is reading. Brawlinator again, and this next book may seem like a strange pick for me, but it's A Girl and Her Dog Number One on page 331. It's by writer John Holland and artist Herman Gonzalez. Uh, my 22-year-old daughter is now a certified dog trainer and behavior specialist, and she owns three dogs of her own. So this is something I'm actually picking up for the dog lover in my life, my little girl. You may want to check it out also, particularly if you love dogs. Travis, I'm talking to you. Uh, the solicit says it's, uh, and Chris, I'm talking to you too. It's a moving love letter to dogs. Evie is the girl, and Max is her dog. In a time-tossed bits and pieces, we see her life from age 15 to 84, and Max is there for all the important moments of her life. Now, I don't know how a dog lives 70 years, but, um, you know, I'll see it when I read it. Uh, but it's it, the dog is there for all the important moments of her life, even after his life has ended. So that may be the trick. Don't miss this life-affirming tale, which speaks to the power of love, even in the face of death. Check out A Girl and Her Dog by John Holland. It's in the It's Alive section over on page 331 in the previews catalog. My next pick is on page 338 of the previews catalog from Magnetic Press. It is 50 Animated Years of Lupin the Third. Now, this is a reference book looking back at 30 years of animated adventures of Lupin the Third, which was created by Monkey Punch. This is a big character over in Japan. I've watched a couple of the uh, animated films and stuff on it. I think it's a ton of fun. It's basically a gentleman thief type, so you get a lot of heists and stuff like that. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this. It's a 200-page hardcover reference book. It's going to be uh, $39.99, although, again, you can get these things discounted through you know, Deep Discount Comics. Uh, our friends uh, you know, over there, Eric and, and James, who also run Calabunga Comics. For a price tag like this, I think it's worth getting the discount if you can. I mean, for pretty much anything, I think it's worth getting a discount. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this. I've been a casual fan of, of the character for years, and again... Good reference book on it. Sounds pretty cool. So once again, that's 50 Animated Years of uh, Lupin Third on page 333 of the Diamond Previews. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page 346 in the Oni Press section. It's Blink, number one, on sale for $3.99. And this does sound intriguing anyway, but... I think I'm determined to find every book this month that Hayden Sherman is doing art for. I'm not sure how he has so many coming out all at once, but this is definitely his month. It says, Ren Booker was three when she was found alone and covered in blood. Since then, she's been haunted by the childhood she couldn't can't remember. Until she finds a website streaming multiple CCT feeds, or closed-circuit television feeds, from strange, ruined rooms. Something clicks, setting off hidden memories that lead her back to a building she's seen in her lifelong nightmares. Ren breaks in, looking for answers, but instead finds herself entangled in a decayed social experiment known only as Blink. Christopher Savila from Dirtbag Rapture, Hayden Sherman from Thumbs, and Nick Filardi, Rogue Planet, team up for a found footage 
horror where uncovering your past will leave you trapped inside it. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog. This time, page, uh, I guess, 370, 371 in the Source Point Press section. It's Little Red Ronin number one. And I'm always a sucker for these kind of comics, you know, that mash up something from like childhood literature or old cartoon strips or whatever the case might be. This time, this is obviously a uh, riff on the Little Red Riding Hood story. It's written by Garrett Gunn with art by Kit Wallace and a pretty cool main cover here showing kind of a, a sketchy art style that I hope translates into the uh, the main storyline art. It says a terrible beast has haunted the citizens of Pole Town for decades, although the monster hasn't been seen in years. Disappearances and gruesome killings still plague the townsfolk. Determined to clear her family name, Red hunts the great wolf in hopes of exonerating her grandmother who lives in exile for spread of, for spreading terrifying propaganda. Uh, this be on sale for $3.99. Hey, this is James back with my final pick, and this is on page 396 and 397. It's actually on page 396, but I'll tell you why I'm saying page 397 as well. It is Barbaric Axe to Grind number one. Barbaric Axe to Grind number one is the sequel or the second volume of the Barbaric comic, which came out from, it says Marecci, I think it's Michael Marecci. Gooden is the artist. I have no idea what Gooden's first name is. I can't remember. And it says, Owen and Axe are back. Okay, in Barbarian, we had a character, brand new character called named Owen. It, it, this title does get bloody. Do not read it, John Mayo. But the Axe has like a mouth on it. And is like screaming for blood and talks to him. <laughs> almost like he's a psycho. There's humor in this book. I would call it almost Deadpool-esque, but it's not Deadpool. It's almost like a, a mixture of Deadpool and Conan the Barbarian, where you have this character who fights, you know, the undead at times. He fights other people and with this hungry battle axe that talks to him and it's out for blood. I know it sounds weird, <laughs> but it works for me. I'm going to read you the solicit. It says, It's the moment we've all been waiting for. The start of an all-new arc of Barbaric. Follow Owen and his magical companion, the tender talking axe, as they spread kindness and the hope in a world gone bad. Just kidding. And bloodshed that follows them wherever it goes. Let's see. Oh, no. It says Owen and Axe and Soren are back, and so is all the mayhem and bloodshed that follows them wherever they go. Sorry, I left out the line. This time, they're out to settle an old score against Gladius, a wicked blank, I'm not going to say that, who did Owen wrong way back in his barbaric days. As always, it's just blanking barbaric. Alright, there's some profanity in here, so I left that out. 499, 32 pages. It is a fun book, a good read. Now, the reason why I said page 397 is, if you did not read Barbaric, the original, there's a 104-page collection for 16.99. That's before your discount from Eric at Cowabunga, deep discount, which so it'll probably be like 12 bucks, 10 bucks, something like that. But there's going to be a discount where it collects the three-issue story. I thought this was a fantastic story from Vault. I was completely on board for it. I liked it way more than I thought I would. So I was so happy to see that there's a second volume out. And that's my final pick. So I want to throw it back to John and say thank you to all of you guys who send in clips. You know, I wish more people would be involved from the podcast. So many, so many, you know, we've got thousands of people who listen to the podcast. And like a very small group who get on the Slack or get on the forums. and ask questions or give us some feedback or join in on the previous spotlight. 
hopefully I get to know more of you and more of you guys who are kind of like just out there as listeners. Join in and participate. It becomes a little bit more fun after you do that. So uh, until next month, I bid you adieu. Bye. Brawlinator Ganon for my final pick. It's the moment we've all been waiting for, or at least those of us into the sword and sorcery comics like Conan and Cole. It's the start of an all-new arc of Barbaric over on page 397 in the Vault Comics section. Owen, Axe, and Soren are back, and so is all the mayhem and bloodshed that follows them wherever they go. And this time, they're out to settle an old score against Gladius, who did Owen wrong way back in his barbaric days. And it's going to be barbaric. And there's a lot of choice language in here that I'm not including as I read this solicit. It's from Vault Comics. It is definitely for mature readers. It's written, again, by Michael Morecki with art by Nathan Gooden. And the first series was a lot of fun, uh, irreverent fun, and I hope this one continues that trend. Well, that's it for me. Thanks again to John and everyone that helps make the comic book page podcast and the Slack channel and just the whole community possible. I think it's a great community, and I really encourage others to tune in, listen in, and join us online. I can't wait to hear everybody else's solicits. Thanks again, John. And my last pick of the month is on page 404 of the Diamond Previews. It is the comic book lesson graphic novel. Now, this is by Mark Crilly. If you don't recognize the name, he did Akiko on the Planet Smoo. Man, that was a few decades ago now, I guess. And he also did Brody's Ghost. He is a phenomenal artist, just crazy talented, and a really good storyteller, as well as just an amazing artist and such. So him doing another book on, you know, how to create comics... If you're interested in this sort of a thing, I highly recommend it. This looks like it's going to be told in comic book format, which I think is kind of cool, making this sort of, you know, a creator's version of understanding comics to some degree. And again, I can't think of a better person to do this kind of a book because, again, Mark Crilly has done quite a few comics over the years exceptionally well, and he's done some YouTube stuff showing how to draw very much is trying to share his skill and his knowledge, which I really appreciate it. Highly recommend this. It's 160 pages. It's a soft cover. It's got a cover price of $18.99. Again, you can get these things discounted and whatnot. But if you're a process junkie or interested or know someone who's interested in creating comics or graphic novels, this seems like a, a great thing to go get. So once again, that's the comic book lesson graphic novel on page 404 of the Diamond Previews. I hope everybody found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I think there's a, a ton of great material out there. Although, I'll be honest, I had a little bit of a, a hard time finding things I was overly excited about. I found a couple that I'm very happy I, I picked and such. But for me, this wasn't one of those months where I had to whittle down the list. Which is, you know, maybe just the mood I'm in. I don't know. Anyways, I want to thank the contributors this month. So thank you, James, Billy, Jason, Brawlinator, Mo, and Nicholas. Now, we had only six people contribute this time. There's room for a lot more, so please, if you find something in the pre-orders in a given month that you think people should know about, and this includes if you're the creator of it, if you're the publisher of it, the editor of it, or in any way connected with it, or if you're not and you just think it's cool, anyone can send in these clips. 
The idea is to let people know about the things they may find of interest. Now, we've got multiple catalogs out there now. There are hundreds of pages across all these catalogs. It is easy for things to get lost in the mix. This time, I think the best example of that for me personally was the pick that Brawlinator did on that Alex Ross book. I had totally missed the Fantastic Four full circle stuff when I went through the catalog. I've since added it to my list of things to get. So again, please, I really urge you guys to contribute. If you can't do it every month, that's fine, but do it when you can. That way we've got a lot of different voices, different perspective, different tastes represented on these episodes. Because there's something out there for everybody, and I may not know what it is to be able to recommend it to you, but I guarantee somebody listening to this podcast probably does, and, you know, it helps everybody out if you recommend things you're enjoying. So, once again, I hope everybody found something of interest. The deadline on these preview spotlights is usually the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when these catalogs ship. Now, there is going to be an exception in July where that deadline is going to be, I believe, a week earlier. Actually, I think I'm going to do it on July 4th just because I've got a fairly busy July. And in order to get the episode done in time, I need to have it edited on that day. Now, if you have any questions as to when the clips are due, you can always go to the main page of the comic book page website for the latest information and to sign up for email reminders if that would help you out. So with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.